Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm so glad you're here. If you've returned because you've heard the podcast before, I'm glad that you have, and if you're new, I'm glad you found me. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that's related to what the last episode was about. We're going to be talking about 12 ways fawning keeps you stuck in emotional abuse. And fawning is related to last week's episode on people-pleasing, so I wanted to bring them together in close proximity so that you could see the similarities and where you might need uh, help to look to see what you may be doing that you could change so that you could take back some power in your relationship. And if you find that you're more concerned about what other people need than what you need, you may be abandoning yourself. And in that, a fawning response is a way to abandon yourself. And if you want love and support and approval and a sense of belonging, you may also abandon yourself to try to fit in with someone else, to repress your own needs and wants in order to feel like you can fit in with someone else's. And you may have a a fawning response because you have learned to kind of shut down and freeze. You know, we have various responses to stress. We all know about fight and flight. We may not know about freezing and fawning. And these are when we have this response to the stress in the moment, and it causes us to create certain patterns. And one of those is what we call the fawning response. So if you have been with me before, you'll know that you can find me easily at forrelationshiphelp.com and also to know that you are welcome at any time to support the podcast, uh, either by a one-time donation or a regular monthly donation, your choice, what size that is, you can do that at patreon.com slash sanity patreon.com slash saviorsanity, and I really appreciate the support. There's a lot that goes into keeping this podcast going, and it's really helpful and affirming when we receive those donations. So let's just talk about the um, ways that you can get stuck in the fawning response, and I'm really going to talk about 12 ways tonight. Then I'm going to talk about eight things that you can do to get out of it, to not do it anymore. So it's one thing to recognize and realize. The other is to take action and remedy. I want to help you with that as well. So fawning, as I said, often goes hand in hand with people pleasing because you you just have a deeper issue if you get into the fawning. 
people pleasing means I put your needs ahead of mine. I want to make you happy. And I think that that will do something for me if I do that. But when we get into the fawning response, we are actually going deeper. I will submerge my needs. I will repress my needs in favor of yours. I will give you all of the air in the room and I will stop breathing. (laughs) It can be that dire. It can be the way that some people approach it. So a good thing to know is that fawning is often a trauma response. You have learned to do that maybe earlier in life, maybe not just in this relationship that's on the top of your mind right now. Maybe you learned to do it when you were a child. Maybe you had a hijackle parents, maybe a hijackle parent, or you have been in situations where you have received other kinds of trauma. Now, I use the word hijackle because I created that word to give us a way to talk about people with undiagnosed conditions, but with tendencies and traits towards uh, things like narcissism or uh, sociopathy or borderline. And so we can't diagnose them. They're not my client, I can't diagnose them. You're not wise to diagnose them. And they're unlikely to be diagnosed because we all know hijackers think they're perfect the way they are. So why would they go and ask for a diagnosis or ask for help? So it becomes important to recognize that you may have these things going on and you may be endeavoring to put yourself a deep second to avoid conflict with somebody who enjoys repressing you, which would be a hijackle. So that term that I created, hijackle, is defined this way. Hijackles are people who hijack relationships for their own interests and purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. Does that sound like something that you're engaged with? Well, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you're probably nodding yes. But if you're new, it's important to realize that if you're with someone who wants power, status, and control over you, you'll probably want to listen to a whole lot of episodes so you really understand the dynamics of this. And it can be, it can keep you stuck in a toxic relationship. You may feel codependent, you may be codependent, and you may even be emotionally withdrawn, even silenced, because you have just succumbed. You have just laid down and you've become a bit of a doormat. Nobody feels good in that way, but it may be the only thing that you know what to do with. And so it's important to recognize that the fawning response is an attempt to avoid conflict or further trauma. So we don't want further trauma, so that's okay. We've found something that helps us feel like, oh, I'm a little safer in the world. And it puts, it takes the spotlight off you and puts it onto appeasing other people and demonstrating or feigning, it may not be accurate, but you may be feigning interest in the other person in order to keep the peace. And you may be wondering, well, do I have this fawning response? So I found this wonderful list on healthline.com, and the list was called, Am I Fawning Right Now? Some Questions to Ask Yourself During a Conflict. So I printed them out, and I'll read them to you. Number one, does the stance I'm taking and my reaction to this person feel aligned with my values? 
probably not. Am I deeply respecting the humanity of the person in front of me while being seen and held in my humanity? Probably not. Am I speaking from the heart? Probably not. Am I being authentic or am I giving apologies that I don't mean or appeasing somebody else for the sake of it? Probably. Am I taking responsibility for how I'm showing up while not burdening myself with what isn't mine to hold? Probably. Am I looking too quickly to exit this conversation to avoid discomfort or move to common ground that supports us both, even if I have to endure some discomfort on the way? Well, let's hope so. But this becomes a very good way, and I'm going to talk about these things further, for you to calibrate do I have this fawning response? Do I just fall on my knees and try to please somebody? Now, I know I'm making it sound very dramatic, but, you know, you can get into a habit of, okay, whatever, whatever you want. Let's do it your way. That's okay. I don't matter. Let's do what you need to do. I understand you're going through a difficult time. I, by the way, I'm almost at death's door, but you are going through a difficult time, so we'll take care of your needs. We get to that place sometimes. We've given up, or we've learned that that's the only way to have anybody in our life, or at least we think that's true. It isn't true, but we may very well believe it's true even though it isn't true, because life to date has demonstrated to us, that's our experience, that if I express my needs, if I express my wants, if I express my opinions, if I express my disapproval, this person runs far away from me, blames me, and maybe even abuses me. So your needs get smaller and smaller and smaller and really taken down to the lowest possible priority. And other people's needs come always first. Is that sounding familiar to you at all? Well, I'm going to give you 12 ways that you may be fawning that will, in fact, keep you stuck and you will have more likelihood of being emotionally abused. So the first one is hijackles love that you engage in the fawning response. That's that's the 12 things I'm going to give you. Why do they love that you engage in a fawning response? Well, one, you're less likely to ever stand up to them. So they will always dominate. They will always rule the roost. They will always be on top of the pile. They will always get what they want. And they don't care whether you ever do. Oh. Doesn't that sound like a relationship you don't want to be part of when I put it that way? I sure hope so. Because if you're in a situation where you are unlikely to speak up at any time and stand up for yourself or stand up to them, they're loving it and you are not. And you're diminishing yourself all the time, little by little. It's kind of death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, a little more, a little more. Then you really start feeling like you don't matter. So that's number one way that will keep you stuck in the fawning response. And why hijackles love that. And they love all 12 of these ways. So that's number one. Number two is you're not likely to call out their abuse. 
you probably tried it at some point, didn't go well, may have tried it a couple more times, went even less well. And so now you have learned that, oh no, you may have even taken it on board and think at some level you deserve it. You don't. No one deserves to be abused. However, you may have gotten stuck on no longer calling out the abuse, not even speaking up about it, let alone calling it abuse or saying that's not okay with you. You may not even, even acknowledge it anymore. And whether you think you deserve it or not, you have learned to be silent about it. Number three way that hijackals love you because of the fawning response is you're highly unlikely to say no to them. You know how poorly hijackals take to being turned down. <laughs> they simply cannot stand the blow to their egos. How dare you turn me down? Well, if you have been worn down and torn down and probably put down quite a bit, you no longer stand up to them and say no. You want to go here? Okay. Do you care whether we have Thai or Korean food? No. Okay. You know, you no longer have a voice because you don't say no to them. And they'll escalate it and escalate it and push it and push it to see how much they can get away with. Have you noticed that? It gets worse. It doesn't get better. The fawning response is not doing you any good, except maybe saving you occasionally if, if the person's violent, saving you from some physical violence. But it's not doing any good in the relationship because you've probably experienced this. The more you don't speak up, the more you don't have a voice, which they don't want you to have, and then you don't even say no to them. And then somehow, way out of left field, comes this accusation that you're weak and you don't have an opinion and you're worthless. And yet here you've been trying to please them by staying out of their way and not saying no to them. And then wham, from the other side comes, well, you're not worthy or welcome or wanted, as I talked about in a, in a previous episode. Who would want you? You don't even speak up. You don't have any ideas. You don't care. Total catch 22. There's no way that you can be right with a hijackal, and you know that. So that third way that they love is that you won't say no to them. And then, like I said, they'll make you wrong a little later for not having any strong backbone. You can't win. All right, another way that hijackals love the fact that you are fawning is that you won't stand up for yourself. Not only do you not stand up to them, you won't stand up for yourself. You won't speak up and say, I I would like this, or it would make me happy if this happened, or do you think it would be possible? You don't even go that far to e create any equality in the relationship. You've given up. And in most cases, it keeps the peace a little better, so a little moment of peace. And so you just don't stand up for yourself. In fact, you may have been doing this for so long that you don't even know what you want anymore. You don't know what may make you happy. You don't know what would make you feel valuable. So you have become emotionally withdrawn. You spend so long since you have felt comfortable voicing an opinion or a thought or a need or a want that you just don't even 
recognize them within yourself anymore. And that is really sad. That is really sad. We have to regain ourselves. And that's what I'll talk about after I give you these 12 ways. So you don't stand up for yourself anymore. And number five is that you don't express or maintain boundaries. And they love that. Hijacals love the fact that they can run roughshod over you, and they like to. Again, they'll tell you that you're weak because you don't have any boundaries, but put a boundary in place, and then they're they're not very happy at all. But if you've gotten used to the fawning response, just trying to please them, and you've given over all your power to pleasing them, then they're going to love that, that you don't have boundaries, or you don't enforce the boundaries, or your boundaries are porous. People can just spill right over them, and it doesn't matter. And if you put up a boundary for hijackles often, which is why I have my clients just do tiny, tiny boundaries. And if at any time you want my help, you can go to beaclient.com, beaclient.com. Because we need to learn to set tiny boundaries. So it doesn't feel like a huge ultimatum. It doesn't feel like some strident, it's got to be this way. We have to learn to set tiny boundaries. And then like a wedge getting larger and larger over time. There are ways to turn these behaviors around. And if you hear in this podcast that there are some things that are actually happening within you and within the relationship by you that you no longer want to be happening, you can make those changes. And I'm here to help you. Just go to beaclient.com. So we've got five. Now, number six is they love you because you're not going to ask for what you need and want. You are not going to speak up and ask for what you need and want. You're not going to identify what you need and want. Now, that's a shame that it's come to that, but you probably learned that they don't care what you need or want anyway, and they'll make fun of you or put you down or it'll cause an argument, so you don't do it anymore. And again, everything then starts to get blurry within yourself because am I allowed to have needs and wants? Do I even know what they are? Can I express them? How do I do this? <laughs> and, and you may have become so downtrodden by this that you don't even have any clarity around it within yourself. And so they really like it that you don't speak up and ask for what you need and want. Because then they can be pretty sure you're not going to give them any ultimatums and you're not going to be a problem to them. You are going to allow the relationship to be all about them.com. And that's what hijackles like. They want to be the biggest person in every room. They already think they're the smartest person in every room. And they want to take over and take up all the space. And as I said earlier, take all the air out of the room so you don't have anything to breathe. So they're happy when you don't speak up. They're even happier if you can't articulate what you need and want. And number seven is they love you because you won't challenge their needs and wants. Now, it always comes down to the question of sexual intimacy, doesn't it? Somewhere it will always get into that conversation because they make demands as though what they need and want should be your operating process 
that if they want sex or if they want food or if they want to move or if they want the car keys or if they smash your phone, it's all right because you won't challenge their needs and wants. You may even come to a place where you think, oh, well, you know, they really need that. And if I give it to them, they will at least keep the peace, but they may like me more. They won't. I guarantee it. They won't because the whole game is to keep you downtrodden, to keep you less than. But you may have that thought. And if you do, please take it from me. They won't like you any better for becoming their doormat. They truly won't because they don't like you all that much anyway. They like what you give them. They like the attention. They like the validation. They like the servitude. They like that you will do what they ask. But they don't even know you as a human being. And they're asking you to stop knowing yourself and defer to their wants and needs. So they like it when you don't challenge their wants and needs. Then number eight, another thing they like, they like it when you feel guilty when you get angry. That somehow you're supposed to recognize you're not even allowed to get angry. You're not even allowed to have your feelings. You're not allowed to get to that place where you have these emotions, this arousal, this anger. They they will not stand for that. So they like it when you feel guilty if you got a little bit angry and you start apologizing for it. And where are you supposed to get angry? Where are you supposed to allow yourself to be angry? Anger is healthy. It's how you express it that may be unhealthy. But anger is healthy. It says, no, I don't like that. Or no, you've crossed a boundary. Or no, you've gone too far. And you feel it. You feel it in arousal in your body. That's helpful. It tells you something about what's going on. Now, learning to express anger is a whole different matter. And when you're with a hijack call, they're not too impressed if you happen to get angry and in their face. And they love that. You know, I did an episode on reactive abuse. And that's important to understand reactive abuse if you're with a hijackal, because a hijackal will poke you and prod you and, and uh, niggle at you and nag at you and poke fun at you and do things in, to get a response. And when you finally respond, Maybe you're very angry and you say things and do things and you're loud. And then what do they do? They say, oh, you are emotionally abusive. And that's because they provoked and prodded the, the reaction in you. They wanted to get it. They went on a long time to get you really upset. And then when you get really upset, then they tell you you're abusing them. Now, I, I did a whole episode on reactive abuse. Very important to understand, recognize when it's happening and if it's become a pattern in your life. You don't want that one to be. But also you don't want to be in this situation where the hijackal loves you because if you get angry, you feel guilty. Like you don't have a right to breathe or have a boundary or have any uh, opportunity to have any equality in the relationship. You're never going to have equality in a relationship with a hijackal anyway, except for a hot minute when they think they're going to lose you or they want something. So it becomes important, number eight, that you feel guilty when you get angry. And if you do, 
they've got you just where they want you. Now, the ninth way that you may get stuck in emotional abuse is that you may have been in situations when you were younger and maybe in this relationship where you have dissociated from your feelings so you don't express them. You don't even know what you're feeling. It's all a fog. You know, um, Susan Forward wrote a book about fog, and it's an acronym for fear, obligation, and guilt. She also wrote a book called Emotional Blackmail. She talks about it in there, too. And you may be in that fog of fear, obligation, and guilt. They may have worn you down so much that you don't know what you think anymore. You don't know what you feel anymore. So you don't express it. You have just become dissociated from your feelings. Nobody's interested in them in your house, so you just don't even demonstrate an interest in them. You become a zombie. You are just going through the motions, doing what you can to please and trying to fend off abuse. And that's a place that you can get out of. It takes work and it takes endurance, but you can. And again, as I said earlier, if anybody finds themselves wanting to talk to me, you can go to beaclient.com. Be a client and take advantage of my new client one-time opportunity there. An hour with me for only $97. Or if you don't want to do that, you can become a member of my Emerging Empowered Community. That's a membership site at joinintoday.com. There's help for you. Come on along, joinintoday.com. So, We've got nine ways now that will keep you stuck in emotional abuse. Number 10 is that you start to suppress your emotions. And in the suppression of them, you find them bouncing out. Like maybe you tell somebody at a bus station and you have all the emotions over there to a stranger. Or you start over-disclosing to the the checkout person in the grocery store or the classic one, you know, telling your life story to a person on a plane. Um, they has to come out somewhere. And if you notice that you are suppressing your emotions in the relationship where you ought to have that ability to share with your supposed partner, hijackals are never partners, but your supposed partner, it has to come out somewhere so you find yourself inappropriately disclosing to strangers or acquaintances and overburdening your friends. Notice that because the hijackal says, great, I'm not being bothered by that, but then you have to find a way to do it and it's a symptom. So notice that one. And number 11 is you apologize for things that are not your fault. You've gotten into the habit of apologizing all the time for things that are not your fault. So maybe you choose a restaurant and then you, the person, the hijackal is, is, oh, the food was terrible. The service was terrible. Why did you bring me to this dump? And you find yourself apologizing for the fact that they did not have a good experience. It's not your fault. <laughs> you suggested a restaurant that you thought would please. It didn't please, but it's not your fault. You can you can say to them, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that that you didn't enjoy the restaurant. I particularly like that one." And that would be an equal statement. But you may find yourself apologizing for things you didn't even do and that are not your fault in order to keep the peace. And Hijacko loves that. Just loves that. Now, number 12 
is you feel and act invisible and sad that people never get to know you. You just withdraw and you pull back because you're used to in the hijacker relationship, not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be called out, not wanting to displease. And so you have this invisibility and you can actually get into a depression as a result of this. You've given up. You've given up that joie de vivre. You've given up that sense of your right to take up space in the world and draw breath. And you withdraw and you withdraw and your voice is silenced. And hijackers love that. They'll make you wrong for it. They'll laugh at you. They'll, they'll put you down for it. But in essence, they like it because you are not a barrier to them doing and having and being how they want. And so if you don't fix these things that I'm talking about or get some help to fix those things, then you will get stuck in that emotional abuse cycle. And you don't want that. I certainly don't want it for you. And I'm here to help you, give you a hand to step out of that, to know that there are ways. So I'm going to give you eight ways that you can begin to change those fawning responses. Number one is to just do a little bit of your own work. Sit down and reflect on your values. What's important to you in life? What do you not want to live without in terms of the way people treat each other or the things that you value? Not objects, but do you value family? Do you value respect? Do you value integrity? Do you value fairness? And you're hoping that you're going to see that in this relationship, and you're not. So if you go and reflect on your values, then you can calibrate what's important to you, and you can have a sense of, it's not happening here in the relationship with the hijackal, right? And you start to, to realize, I really value this, but I'm not receiving it. It's not available here. We don't have a shared value, which you seldom will with a hijackal. So when you hear me talking about the fawning response, you will have come by it organically, either early in life or in this relationship. Don't make yourself wrong for it. You have just done what it is to keep yourself safe in most situations. But now that you're hearing about it, you want to take up the space that you actually occupy. And the first thing is to reflect on your values and calibrate at what is important to me. And that will stimulate you thinking, it's important to me and yet I can't have it here. The second what to do is to realize that fawning is a common default of yours, that you actually have fallen into the pattern of fawning. And when you recognize the things that I've spoken of tonight as things that you have fallen into and you have become someone who tries to keep yourself safe and avoid conflict by fawning, Recognize that in yourself. Don't beat yourself up for it. As I said, you got there organically and say, hmm, now I see how life is going here and that I am complicit in doing this and I need to learn some strategies to turn that around. And again, small incremental strategies, just small improvements, no big wholesale things, unless there's physical abuse or sexual abuse. And if there is, 
report it and charge the person. And don't back down from charging them because that happens way too frequently. And I know it's hard sometimes to go through with it. And I understand that completely. All right, number three, what you can do is get clear why you no longer want to be in this situation of fawning. And you might need some help to do that. And as I said, you can go to beaclient.com or joinintoday.com if you want my help in the group or the individual session, the private sessions. But get a clear why. Why do I do this? Where did I learn this? How did it serve me? How did I develop it? Do I want to continue doing it? Get very, very clear. And you probably need help, as I said, with that, because you've been living within your own mind and body for such a long time that having someone to ask you the right questions can help you clarify that. Now, what to do number four is to work through the traumas that created the fawning response in the first place. To be able to recognize that you have had traumas in your life. You know, one person's trauma is not another. You can have identical twins experience exactly the same thing. One will see it as traumatic and will interrupt life, and the other will take it as a matter of course. Every one of us is different. There's no right way. But one of the things that is the right way is to recognize, did I have trauma? And give it a name and realize where it came from. Actually accord yourself the fact that you did have trauma, if you did. And it doesn't have to be something absolutely so horrendous that everybody would say that's traumatic. It could have been traumatic to you. And it changed. You know, I remember when I was nine years old and my I got a report card from school. And the teacher wrote, what happened to that happy-go-lucky child? Why is this big change in her? Something to that effect. And of course, my parents said, well, there were no changes. But when I was much older and I looked back on it, I realized that I had been left with my mother most of the time. My godparents, who had been always there as a buffer, moved away. And I was left with a hijackal mother who didn't want children. (laughs) And at nine, I realized that I'm alone in this. And it was traumatic. It was traumatic. And it may not have been for other people, but for me, it was. So recognize that. Get a work through on your traumas. Identify them. And if you need help, I'm here or find somebody to talk to. Now, number five is you need to get away with some perspective on your relationship. You need to get far enough away, just even an afternoon where you are just saying, what's really going on in this relationship? I'm so busy feeling it and trying to avoid conflict and all. But if I can step away a little bit, I can see the imbalances. And just work on it yourself Yeah, this doesn't feel good. Why doesn't it feel good? What's going on? And if you notice that little voice that's saying, well, you could do better. You could do better. If you just didn't do this, you'll find that you're repeating the things the hijackal has told you that are negative about yourself. And when you notice that, then you know for sure that you are being um, traumatized here and that this is a very unhealthy relationship for you. 
The sixth thing that you can do is to listen to the episode that I did on what healthy love is. What healthy love is. Because if you've never experienced it or watched other people experiencing healthy love close up enough, you may not know. So that you think that the love you've experienced is healthy love. And it may not be. So go back and listen to the podcast on what healthy love is. And then number seven is, well, let me say something about healthy love. Just a little clue. The beginning of my definition of healthy love is that you have you make a conscious balance between autonomy and emotional intimacy that there's enough balance between where you're self-governing in your life and where you are relationship-based in your life. So you really have to understand what that healthy balance is, and that's just one small, one portion of it. So now number seven that you can do is practice being comfortable with your anger, comfortable with disappointing other people. Because if you've got really hooked into the fawning response, you don't want anyone to be disappointed in you or anyone to think you're wrong or anyone to think you're making waves. You have really shrunken into that. So just practicing, okay, I don't like the same thing you do. Instead of thinking that would be disappointing to them, just know that you're allowed to not share a love of something or an opinion about something. Allow yourself, give yourself permission. To realize that, yes, with a hijackle, they may be disappointed that you don't agree with them all the time, but live with that disappointment and begin to give a little voice to small things that are true for you. To start to create that little wedge that says, I'm here, I have an opinion, I think. I am observing life, and it will allow you to expand. It will allow you to grow into space and take up a little more space. Nothing huge, nothing earth-shattering, no ultimatums at this point, but just a little bit and a little bit. And the last thing that you can do is to regain your personal power. Now, I define personal power this way, that you have the right to choose your thoughts, your words, your actions, and your relationships, and your points of view. You absolutely have the right to do that. So start owning the fact that you have that right. That that is what individuates you as a human. And if you have been covered over by somebody else's wants and needs and and thoughts and actions, and you have disappeared in there, We want to start breaking out and saying, no, I am a separate individual. I do have differing ideas. And to regain that personal power of recognizing that it's all right for you to think differently than another human. It's all right for you to choose differently than another human. The hijackal doesn't like it. But doing that work internally for yourself will allow you to begin to be emerging empowered. That's why I call my community Emerging Empowered, because I want that for every single person, that they are emerging empowered in their life. They can do it within their relationship to a degree. They can work on it. I work with people long before they ever leave to be emerging empowered so that when you do decide to leave, you are not 
a basket case, nothing left, just a doormat. You are actually empowered and you know what you want and you can execute an exit plan. And so come on over to the Emerging Empowered Community at joinintoday.com. So many things in this episode, I realize. So you might want to listen to them a couple of times and make some notes. But it's important to recognize that you learn the fawning response to keep yourself feel safer. And you can regain your sense of self once you recognize that you have diminished. And feel hopeful. Begin to be emerging empowered. You can do it. Nothing earth shattering, tiny bit by tiny bit. And it will be a wonderful change if you find that you are being worn down, torn down, and put down by a hijackal. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Savior Sanity Podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.